0: Welcome to another episode of our conference kickoff series here at Campus DeCanton talking independence tonight, which means it's going to be a short episode. As always, I am Austin and this is Colin
1: and this is
0: Mike, Mike, Mike. I told you we would cue you in when it was time for you to be cued in.
1: Okay, bro. Stars are made. They're not born. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> All right. So for anybody who doesn't know, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mike Valerie, is here with us at, at FFDirtyMike on Twitter. Uh, Debbie Guy here at Campus DeCanton with us. Contributed pretty heavily to the Debbie Guide. Um, doing a bunch of strategy articles here this offseason. Mike, how are you
1: doing today? I'm doing good. I have to correct you on my title. It's a Senior Debbie Guy. Mm-hmm. I did earn that promotion. The founders gave it to me. Maybe one of the two guys in the room right here. I don't know.
0: Well, after your your shenanigans here to open the show, we took it back. So, um, <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars, Mike. We're very happy to have you here tonight. Um, I know you check in on on like player stock a lot. You're you're always kind of checking like the mock draft database and kind of monitoring these things as the year go on. So, I'm really interested to hear the players that you think are going to see some stock change this year i mean it, it, before we get into those questions how how has your digging been so far this off season like is, is data starting to kind of add up for you to kind of get a better picture of, of what consensus is
1: yeah it seems as soon as july hit we got a little bit more data in um i wouldn't say it's enough to really you know write an article about because that's kind of what i'm waiting to do um but i i generally like Agree with the top consensus, you know, the top five or six of each, each, each area. But and then after that, once you have to do the second round, I'm like, really just I think people are just smoking something, you know, they got that company needs to drug test some people.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: We got a,
2: how many men, episodes in a row we mentioned HR or, or had an HR related thing in a row? Oh. It's like four <laughs> or
0: five now at this point. A poor department overworked and underpaid here at Campus De Canton. They were. Really um. Hard. And Mike, real quick, I I also want to ask you, you guys, uh, you and uh, Corey Pereira last week launched, um, as far as you're concerned, the only legitimate Devy podcast on the Campus to Canton podcast feed. I know you've had a lot of um, things to say about uh, Devy debate and how it no longer is a pure Devy show. It's more of a college football show. So you guys are doing Back to Devy. Uh, episode two coming out this week. Uh, a preview of what we're talking about, or or any uh, any any little teaser behind the scenes stuff for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a Friday show, um, and you are right. Uh, we are the premier debut show. Uh, the people agree. We we talk to them.
0: They're on the streets. The polling, and, polling. Um, You're polling very well. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, yeah, we're talking about the 2024 class. Uh, just to give like a quick stat, if I had to ask, I'm gonna ask Colin here. so he pays attention. I'd ask Colin how many true freshman wide receivers received over 500 yards this year, what would the answer be?
2: Um, like this year, this coming year, as a guess in 2022, no, like this, this or passed, this previous year in 2021, yeah. how Previously. many over 500? Um,
1: not very many. I'm gonna say three, it's one, which is a severe drought compared to prior years. So, this is a very and the US class, I know I've talked So the off. only one would be, what, worthy then? Worthy, correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You would think Mario Williams would how much Felix talks, but...
2: Well, I knew it wasn't him because
0: of the
1: <laughs> <path>. <laughs> Yeah, so the NIL landscape and the transfer portal are creating these, these um, really deep depth charts that people get that free pass to either move up or move down. So it it's, seems to be a, a struggle for these younger guys to get on the field early compared to usual. But anyway, our topic is to the 2024 class because... For the first time, I feel like in a long time, it's a lot of ambiguity in the wide receiver position. So looking forward to talking about it with Corey.
0: Awesome. So there we go, guys. Tune in. That releases Friday morning. Um, as long as they give it to him before 1 a.m., it'll be up 6 a.m. <laughs> hey, so trying.
1: Just, trying. Just, saying,
2: gonna, just saying, just saying. Going to have that locked and loaded for the drive to the expo.
1: We're hardworking members of NAFTA. We can't, you know.
0: Uh, all right that's mike everybody have a good night no okay mike all right now that we've gotten some of the uh, the tomfoolery here out of the way uh let's hop into this cram session for anybody that uh this is their first episode here of this this uh, conference preview series here's what we're going to do we're going to ask you three very simple questions one player you think helps their stock the most this year one player you think hurts their stock the most this year and then the spiciest spiciest take that you can give us for the 2022 season mike are you ready
1: i'm mostly ready
0: mostly ready all right we'll figure it out as we go then um colin's motto a player that helps their stock the most this year mike who's it going to be
1: yeah i went a little deeper here didn't want to talk about ohio or georgia like prior guests and i want to go with my man dylan goffney of smu SMU to me is a school that's continuously disrespected in the recruiting cycle. They do put talent into the NFL pretty consistently. Emmanuel Sanders, Corland Sutton, James Prochet, Danny Gray—those are just the last like couple, f- and like two of them are actually really relevant in the NFL. So Danny, Gre- Dan- Danny Gray, Dylan Goffney for me here. He was a wide receiver, eighty-six, six foot one eighty-five. Coming into college, he just weighed in at two thirteen, and they measured him at six foot two recently. Um, he came into high school. The 6A offensive newcomer of the year. And then in a junior year, he became first team all district. And then, of course, the senior year got sh- cut short by COVID. So it's really unfortunate, but the kid was killing it in high school. His, oh, and just a fun fact his high school quarterback was Connor Wegman. Oh, so you didn't get to see a lot of playing Very time in SMU's um, crowded rivalry record. They had uh, Reggie Roberson, Danny Gray, I already mentioned, Grant Calcaterra, uh, Ulysses Bentley. All those guys are gone now, leaving about a 70% vacancy. Now, it's not just about vacant targets here. When a player went down against UCF, he came in the second quarter. And during that second quarter, well, second quarter to the end of the game, he saw 12 targets, caught 10 of them from 88 yards and zero touchdowns. So he was used a little more versatility in the beginning, but once they started catching on, he had a lot of close line scrimmage type catches. And then he earned his first start the next game, which was against Cincinnati, which they just shut them down. He didn't do anything. So that's that was unfortunate. The the point is, is that he saw increased playing time towards the end of the year. He got on the field, he earned his reps. Now there's vacancy. Spring reports were saying that he was first team with uh Rashid Rice and Joshua Moore. And guess who's not on the team anymore? Joshua Moore. Dylan. Oh okay. Sorry. It's gone. <laughs> so it's just like it's uh, I mean, it's just him and Rashi Rice. This team was 13th in passing yards per game averaging 303 passing yards per game if he gets let's just say 25 percent that's a 900 to a thousand yard season just one quarter and i think he's projected to be more of a 1b in that offense so i think dylan Goffney to me is going to be a huge stock up guy he's gonna become a debbie asset probably a top 15 consensus for his class i imagine after this year and i think he's i think he's going to be a top let's say a top 150 pick in C2C, where he's going almost undrafted or towards the very back end of drafts now. I think he's going to really jump up rankings in C2C.
2: Man, I love that call. As the only other person to have Dylan Goffney ranked at our site um, for Debbie, and as the highest on him in the C2C rankings, I love that call. You have him at 53 for Debbie. I have him at 82. So I'm a little lower for Debbie purposes, but C2C like The badlands I've ranked, <laughs> <laughs> um, but for uh, for C2C, um, I have him at ranked 67, so I love that call.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: uh, and just so you're you, you talking about vacancy, they lo- they lose uh, Danny Gray and Reggie Roberson from last year, so two right. of their kind of big guns that they've got to replace, with and Grant Calcaterra and, yeah. and Ulysses okay. Bentley, which Mike had mentioned a little yeah. earlier. Did he say both of those names? He said all four of them. Well, I know. Oh, I missed you so say Roberson. I, I missed you say Roberson. I'm so sorry. I heard the <laughs> yeah. other ones, but I did not hear Roberson. I love
2: how he's apologetic to you when he tunes you out, but he tunes me out all the I time. I was listening
1: intently my podcast. I my hot take just com- apology. So that's crazy. I just completely
2: missed
0: <laughs> Roberson. I'm
2: sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I, I, I do love that call a lot. Um, but on the other side of that, who is the player you think is going to hurt their stock the most this year?
1: Yeah, there was just um, too many to pick from. So this was a real struggle for me because it could have been, you know, could have been Rakeem Jarrett, could have been Chase McClellan, could have been Kendall Milton, could have been – anyway, I'll keep going, A.T. Perry. But anyway, uh, I settled on Marvin Mims here um, just because he's getting some buzz on Twitter a little bit. I know some people were out there saying he's a first-round talent. I think this dude is just a role player. He's not a versatile weapon that's a threat at every level of the field. If you look at his usage, um, 63% of his targets came from 10 – Ten or more yards past the line of scrimmage, he's a low yak guy. He's not a tackle breaker. He's he broke two tackles against Tulane, and then besides that, he didn't, I think he broke two more the rest of the season. Um, he's just not a talent that I think is. He doesn't have enough to really become a focal piece in the NFL offense. Like, sure, he'll make the roster and he'll be a field stretcher there, which I think that's what he should be. But as far as like being like a an actual fancy asset, I'm, I'm not seeing. I'm not buying it. Uh, he has no route running ability, in my opinion. I don't really see a lot of route manipulation or a lot of route diversity. He's just a really fast guy that runs a slant or runs a go. And like that's about it for me. And I just don't really see him being what people think he's going to be. And then according to my draft database, because I got this name from, he's right now being projected in the early second. I don't think he's an early second talent. I have him more as like a late third, early fourth round talent. So I do think he might get the draft capital, but I'm still not. Putting him up in my rankings that high.
0: You were talking about usage and you talked about his ten yards, you know, basically everything's a slant or a go. Correct me if I'm wrong, because apparently I'm just not listening at all tonight. But you didn't mention that he's been mostly a slot guy through his career. Do you think he projects as a slot guy to the NFL, or do you think he's he can do boundary or both? I mean, what what are we thinking here with him?
1: Yeah, I think he's gonna be more of a boundary, like I said, for field stretcher role abilities. I I do think teams are I feel like teams are going towards big slots. you guys feel the same way? Cause I really feel like that's kind of a, a growing trend here, like a big slot or anyway, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be more of a boundary guy just to utilize his speed or whatever. But I, I think know. that's a really interesting
2: call because I, he was, I wrote him up for the Debbie guide and he was one of the hardest evals for me because he's a slot who stretches the seam, like takes the top off the defense vertically which you don't really see that very often. And that's a tough role to project. But I also think he's going to have a huge year this year as the slot guy in a Jeff Levy offense. So he's, I think he's going to have a big year statistically, but I don't know what that's going to lead to. I don't know if that's going to have an impact on his NFL role because I just, yeah. I have a hard time projecting that right
1: now. Yeah. Um, I just want to play those. I get there too for his big, his big year. Um, and I also have to backtrack a little bit about what I said in my last episode of Back to Debbie with Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel's five foot eleven, right? Five uh, eleven. Yeah, and I think that's generous. I think he's not that tall. Yeah, so he's short, right? And then Marvin Mins is also down as five eleven. I think that's maybe accurate. Maybe five ten, but he's not. He's not Wendell Robinson out there, that's for sure. So I, short quarterbacks, to me, what I find they have trouble throwing over the middle of the field because they can't get past that offensive line. Uh, Russell Wilson's never done it. There's an interview of of Vince Young um, talking about how he would just sling the ball and just essentially he was like, oh, screw it. Someone's down there somewhere and just chuck the thing. And then I think it was what Jerry Rice was his receiver, I believe. Vince Young. Vince Young. Wait, yeah. Who's Vince from? Steve Young. Steve Young. I said Vince Young the whole time. <laughs> All right, Steve. I was Young. Like Steve, Vince Young played with.
0: I know Jerry Rice made the rounds when at the end of his career. Right? No, Steve Young <laughs> uh, was in an interview
1: saying that he he would just sling it. I mean, he was saying the same thing that he was too short to see over the offensive line, and he just trusted where Jerry would be, and that's what he did. So, um, anyway, so I I don't know. Marvin Mibbs is actually really set up for a big year because short quarterback plus short receiver, like they don't really find a success over the middle. He's going to find a success on the outside.
0: Interesting. So we should all be buying uh, Jaden Gibson then who's like 6'6", right? Is that what you're saying?
1: In, uh, in, I'm in, a more Nick Anderson guy. I'm going to ride the Nick Anderson train. I did not forget that call. I'm on a Nick Anderson.
0: Okay. All right. We're, we're going to come back to that. I'm going to lock that one away. We'll talk okay. about that next off season. And um, be mocked oh. and ridiculed. Okay. Okay. Mr. Persecution Complex. feeling <laughs> Sharp. So now that we've got those two out of the way, I know Mike, you were telling me before the show, you had a hard time thinking up a, a hot take that was spicy enough for us here tonight. Have you thought of one by now?
1: I mean, the hottest take I have, I don't, Feel like it's too hot, because I. Okay, I'm just gonna say, I think I think Eric Gilbert is gonna be the best tight end talent in this draft class. I don't think it's Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer may get the draft capital, but again, like I'm not. I think Devin Allen should stop projecting draft capital and project fantasy success. I don't think enough people do that. And I think as far as who's gonna be successful, I think it's gonna be Eric Gilbert. I do think he gets the draft capital, not nearly as high as Michael Mayer, but. I like his tools. I like what he's done in the past already. I believe in the bounce back. And I think he goes to the draft this year. I think that's a fairly
2: bold take. I mean, a lot of people have kind of moved off of him. I think I have him like right at, right at the back end of my uh, top five tight ends. So I'm a little bit higher than some other people are like, I'm buying that bounce back with you. Not quite where you're at, but I like it.
1: I like the call. Yeah. It's hard to trust. I mean, you know, you got to, you got a proven talent in Michael Mayer. And I hear him saying that this guy who's had a roller coaster is going to get ahead of him somehow. So it's.
0: Do you worry that NFL teams will be scared away?
1: Um, No. Uh, I do remember this past draft cycle, an article came out saying that 25% of NFL players during their interview session cited having, what's it called? Um,
0: Mental health issues?
1: Thank you. Yeah was uh, having mental health issues. So I think it's just an accepted part of the game. Mental health seems to be a growing um, thing here in the United States here. I think uh, it's more accepted for sure. And so I think this can become less of a concern.
0: That's a really interesting point. That's that I I hadn't necessarily put those two together. Um, So good stuff there, Mike. Um, All I do is good stuff. (laughs) That's why we had you on tonight. Well, Mike, we're gonna get you out of here now. Um, thanks for hopping on here with us again at FF Dirty Mike on Twitter. Uh, host tonight. of back, go ahead. Start I on want to do one, more yeah, oh. one more hot take.
1: Yeah, uh, one more hot take. My next hot take is that I will get an apology from the entire campus can crew for saying that Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. I was mocked and ridiculed the whole year.
0: All right, that's Mike that's everybody. A, so
1: foolish,
2: that's a foolish take because you will never get an apology from several members of the
1: staff, no matter how right you are. So I that got is names. A, Which ones? Got names. It's it's all the founders. It was Kevin. I think Dwight was in there. I'm not really sure. I'm coming, I'm knocking on doors.
0: <laughs> you can now you I'm, can knock you can knock all you want. I'm not necessarily giving but, out apologies. Now I'm kind of scared to see Mike at the expo next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Mike, thank you again for hopping on here with us. Um, yeah, Expo coming up this weekend. We'll uh, we'll see you there, man.
2: I look forward to it. See you guys. I'll see you, see Mike. you, Mike. I'm excited.
0: All right, yes. The Expo, Fantasy Football Expo, is coming up this weekend. So if you guys are going to be in Canton, Ohio, the Campus to Canton crew will be there uh, quite a few of us actually. I believe last time I checked, there're 12 or 13 of us in total uh, that are going to be attending. So, if you're going to be there, please stop by, you know, our booth. Or if you see us there, uh, feel free to come over and chat us up. We will certainly be happy to share a beer with you uh, and talk uh, football or whatever else you want to talk about. Before we dive into the independence here, Colin, which I know is your that you've been looking forward to this one. I've had to tell you to pump the brakes. Um, tonight's tonight for this one um we are a part of the fantasy points media group guys along with a ton of just other great podcasts fantasy points it's themselves is continuing to grow they've added a ton of college fantasy content this offseason if you want to go ahead and check out either you know all the rest of the shows at fantasy points live on twitter Uh, every friday they do a weekly friday recap Um, And if you're just looking for another source of college fantasy information, go ahead over to fantasy points and check out everything that they've had going on there this offseason. a really great staff over there. Um, Some guys that, uh, you know, I've I've been chatting up here for the last couple of years and and all great guys. So go ahead uh, and check everything out over there. Independence, Colin, FBS independence. There are seven teams. Before we do this, did you cook dinner tonight? I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Nice. not frozen pizza. Are we talking like legit cook something?
2: No, I I legit cooked something, which is part of why I was a little bit behind uh, Mm -hmm. when we were coming in to record this, because today was just a a very hectic day. Um, I will be out in Las Vegas this week, so very excited for that, for a work event. There are only going to be three of us going. The one person... Now has COVID. So now we were scrambling all day to figure out how two of us were going to do what three of us were going to do. Um, It was, it was hectic. And then uh, I did cook dinner. I made grilled uh, salmon um, with grilled corn and rice. You've really been working the grill lately. Mm -hmm.
0: Grill master Colin.
2: I have. I do. I like, see, I hate cooking. I really do. I despise it. Um, But I actually like grilling.
0: You're a man's man. I've always said this, Colin. Absolutely, yeah. Def- real meat and potatoes guy. De- definitely don't talk to everybody else about how I've referenced you because I've always said man's man, no matter what they say. I figured. No, yes. I. I've heard you say that. Yeah. You know. Cons- yeah. Very face consistent. And- yes. Yes. Obviously. Obviously. Um, all right, Colin. Let's dive into this. Um, conservatively, there's two and a half offenses here that I'm really, really interested in, but I do think there might be another player or two that that should definitely be on your radar. Uh, First up, guys, is Army. Uh, Very, very. I mean, it's a service academy. You're you're going to get what what you're probably expecting there. They're going to be a very run heavy team, Um, but an effective team. You know, a lot of teams don't necessarily know how to handle uh, these heavy rushing attacks. So, I I, you know their record is always or a lot of times is pretty decent. And then there's not necessarily anybody. Uh, that you want for fantasy purposes i would just watch list a couple of the running backs you, you know if, if one or two goes down and that starts to consolidate a little bit i think then you start to get really really interested um, but jacoby buchanan is the the starter there so if, if he's if anybody behind him gets hurt or, or or he goes down i would start maybe paying attention um, to this backfield I don't, is there anybody here that really draws your attention colin Um, not really. I mean, Jacoby, Jacoby Buchanan is back.
2: Um, so, you know, that's there's starters back there, but they rotate the backs a lot. The quarterback gets a lot of work. Um, you know, Christian Anderson's gone now. So it sounds like, and I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name, tire Tyler. I'm going to assume the TH is, is the hard TH like, uh, like the Tims. Um, but I don't know. Uh, he, you know, it sounds like he might start, worth keeping an eye on him just because of all the rushing ability, but it's a slow paced team. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm not really drafting anybody here.
0: Yeah. They will basically choke the life out of you as an offense. That's kind of their goal, which is obviously not super sexy for fantasy purposes, but you know, it is super sexy for fantasy purposes. Colin, the BYU Cougars. Is that Zach Wilson? Is that why he won? There, I wonder if you had different expectations. Um, it's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, BYU guys coming off a pretty solid season 10 and three. Um, and they bring back a decent amount of talent. I think this team will go as far, really, as Jaron Hall can take them. Returning quarterback there had a, a very strong season, he was a guy that we talked a lot about. Last year is kind of, you know, a late round stash if he was to win this job, um, that, that he could be worth something. Last year uh, passed for 2,583 yards, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions, and then added uh, 307 yards on the ground as well. Colin, is there a shot that he is a legitimate draft prospect and that, you know, maybe he leaves after this season for the NFL? Is there a shot?
2: Yeah, there's always a shot, but I think the odds of it are fairly low. I'm not super high on him um, for Debbie purposes. I think he has some things he needs to clean up as a passer. Uh, A little bit, uh, you know, he needs to clean up mechanically at times too. Um, The dual threat option is definitely nice, but I mean, I think he is a guy that is going to come back again. I, I mean, he's also six years out of school, I believe, I think, or five years out of school at this point. Cause He's he took old. the two year. Yeah. He took the two year mission trip. So at minimum, he will be at 24 when he enters the draft, if he enters this year. Um, so that maybe that does play a factor and he comes out early. If he gets, starts getting some day two buzz from, from teams. Uh, but I think it would be in his best interest to just return, finish out a really nice college career, get drafted and go be a backup somewhere.
0: Yeah, I, we had him as a tier seven guy in our Debbie guide. I I believe I'm the one that wrote him up. Um, You know, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he has some intriguing tools. Obviously he has the rushing upside. Um, My, some of my problems with him are, He's just not like I don't know what they've asked him necessarily to do. It's kind of difficult to tell sometimes because if his first read isn't there, he moves off of it pretty he either locks onto it for way too long or moves off of it a little too quickly. Like it doesn't seem like he's super comfortable moving through reads. So I'm not sure what they're asking him to do. Like it it is very like Malik Willis, you could tell they're basically saying you're gonna read half the field on almost every play. And that made things simpler simpler for him. I don't know if they're doing that for Hall or if they are asking him to you know, work his way through, you know, three, four progressions on it, on any given play. I, I I mean, I think the, the, the legs will probably get him drafted. And I do think he has a shot. If he can clean up a lot of things, you know, I think that's a hard one to fix at the, at 24 years old already is, you know, moving off a, a first read. It's kind of a, I could never do it, but it's, and it sounds, it's like, that's kind of a basic NFL skill. Like if you don't have that, as a quarterback, that kind of is what starts separating guys out right away. So I do worry about that. Um, He does have multiple years of eligibility left if he wants it. So I actually kind of lean that I think he goes back to BYU for another year. That's my prediction because I don't – unless he really blows the doors off, which I think is possible, not likely, but it's possible, like you said, Colin, then I think – I think he just goes back and uses up the eligibility and kind of, you know, enjoys being a quarterback while he can.
2: Yeah, I think that's the route he goes too.
0: Um, but
2: you know, he'll provide some really nice production while at BYU. So if you're drafting him in C2C, that's kind of your hope, is that he does return and you get two years of really nice production because I don't think him returning is going to hurt his draft stock. You know, I think his draft stock is going to be what it is.
0: What's one more year amongst friends here? Yeah, exactly. I, now I will say they do have a pretty difficult schedule this year. So I do think, you know, as an independent, obviously they don't play a conference schedule. So you can't necessarily point and say, you know, Oh, the mountain West is always have, has weak defenses or the, you know, the, the pack 12 or, you know, whoever, but they have some tough, really tough games on the schedule Colin. they play. Uh, and I'm just going to read all the opponents off, but, and, but the, you'll see, you'll hear the, the tough ones. As I say them this season, they play South Florida Baylor, Oregon, Wyoming, Utah State, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Liberty, East Carolina, Boise State, Dixie State, which is weirdly enough out in like the Colorado area. Um, it, it's not a Southern school. I looked it up. Never would have guessed. It's true. Yes. And then Stanford. There's some difficult opponents in there. You know, it wouldn't shock me if they. It, it's a seven and six, eight and five kind of year. Even if they're not a significantly worse team than they were last year. That's just a tough, tough schedule uh, for them. So it'd be interesting to, to watch that. And I mean, that could have an impact on Hall's performance as well. You know, just, just quality of defense they face.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is that is a tougher schedule for sure. Um, you know, so it, it might have him be a little bit more up and down, but I think he'll have some pretty nice boom weeks in there too. Yeah. Um, you know, finishing QB 24 last year, I think that's within his range of outcomes again.
0: Yeah, he, he feels like that range is probably right for him. I, I don't know that he has the ability to break into that top six, seven, eight kind of guys, uh, but I don't see him falling to like QB fifty either. Uh, especially with some of the guys he's going to be throwing to, and we're going to talk about them here in a minute. Um, I think I do have a soft spot for Hall. We we talked about him a lot during that QB competition last year. We just kept saying we think he's going to win this. He's much more dynamic, and when he does he's going to be a startable guy, but Christopher Brooks at running back coming over from Cal. BYU the past few years has been a very, very productive offense for running backs. It just has the offensive line. They bring back, you know, almost the whole line, which is obviously going to help as well. Tyler Algier um, parlayed his success there into a day three pick uh, with the Falcons Um So I think Brooks is a guy that I'm looking at that can be a bell cow for them that can get the bulk of the touches and can put up a season not that dissimilar to Tyler Algier. I really think that that is that is in the cards for him. And he's a guy that I've been targeting pretty heavily this offseason when he's been available. Shout out to I'm in two leagues with Jared Wackerly. Uh, one of the dynasty nerds guys, he is holding Christopher Brooks in both of them. So shout out to <laughs> to him. When I went to in those two supplemental drafts this year to go look look for him and put him in my queue, and and I was like, who, who is holding this guy? It was Jared Wackerly. So so shout out to Jay Wacker. Interesting. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, because he was he was fine at Cal last year. You know, he split some work with Damian Moore, but um, he's six hundred seventy yards, four touchdowns on one hundred sixteen carries. 131 yards three touchdowns on 19 catches so pretty solid there um but yeah i mean i think you know tyler algier last year 25.4 fantasy points per game rb7 finish overall even though even if brooks doesn't replicate that i think he is going to be uh, a very solid starting caliber running back for your college side here for you this year now What is that going to turn into for the NFL side? I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, he's been he hasn't really handled a full workload so far, but I I do think he's a little bit limited, um, as an athlete, which I think might limit him a little bit in the NFL. But you know, we'll
0: see. So, and Colin, just to your point there, you you said that um, you were talking about Algier and his stats last year. I think, even you know, partially a more important stat there. Algier had 276 carries last year. The next closest was Jaron Hall with 62. Like this is a team that if they find their guy, they're going to give him, you know, that the next then their their next running back was at 61 carries. So effectively, what like 75% of the run the, the rushes went like the the in the backfield went to Tyler Algier? I think that's really, really interesting. And I don't know if they'll use uh, uh, Brooks necessarily the same exact way, but Algier caught 28 passes last year too. And you you know, you know mentioned that he he does have some experience catching the ball. So I think all that together, 1,800 scrimmage yards last year and 23 touchdowns for Tyler Algier. I think that would be, I think he can get close to that this year. I really, really do. A um, couple of pass catchers on this roster that I do think are really interesting as well. And I'm just going to kind of combine the wide receiver and tight ends here for this discussion, Colin. Puka Nasua, a guy that we kind of wrote off last offseason. He he didn't leave Washington on the best of terms. The locker room apparently wasn't uh, really f- fans of him. Coming down here to BYU, solidified himself as the guy last year. 43 catches, 805 yards, six touchdowns. Kind of improved as the year went on. Gained, gained more and more uh, uh, chemistry with Jaron Hall how hot like I think he does better than he did last season do you agree yeah I do think he does better
2: than last season um you know led the team last year in in receiving yards there um and touchdowns but you know it didn't necessarily lead to every week fantasy production he finishes the wide receiver 81 on the year uh, 14.5 fantasy points per game so definitely some some weeks in there where you wanted to start him some other dud weeks in there too but BYU we talked about their schedule their their strength of schedule currently sits in the upper third uh, of you know the NCAA and as far in terms of difficulty so they may need to rely a little bit more on the pass uh, than what they did last year so I think that those numbers for him are very replicable and I think we could see an uptick in receptions as well which will help him get into every week flex territory potentially Um, so yeah I we we were quick to write off Nasua last year, uh, especially given you know he was a four-star recruit, number twenty-two wide receiver in his class. Uh, so there, little you know, there's some talent there. There's a little bit of pedigree. Um, I'm not all the way back in on him, but you know, dipping the toe back in the Nasua
0: waters. Um, and he went there to join, join his brother, who is gone. As as is um, Neil. No, I'm gonna butcher it i feel so bad Uh, we're just gonna skip it they lost two two (laughs) decent contributors last year the other wide receiver that i think is interesting but i'm not sure they'll have enough pass volume to support two guys it's Gunnar romney and yes he is related to that romney um oh interesting yes he is um it there's makes like, sense. But... There's like a bajillion Romney's out in that, that area since. Yeah, like that's where what I he's think. from. Tug, yes. Tugs, my favorite. I'm sure it is <laughs> from new girl. Uh, all right. Yeah, I do remember that episode. Actually, I haven't seen the whole series, but I do know that. Okay. Uh, Isaac Rex, I think is an interesting guy here. And I think Rex is going to be a bit of a post hype sleeper here for BYU. I'm actually kind of on the Isaac Rex train for 2022. Uh, really big expectation for him after 2020 37 catches, 429 yards, 12 touchdowns. I think you heard a lot of people rightly say he probably can't score 12 touchdowns again. I think that's true. I, he'll, he probably won't score 12 touchdowns, but I do think last year he was banged up quite a bit. Only 18 catches, 191 yards, three touchdowns. I think he can get back close to those base receiving numbers. If not, even maybe eclipse them. He was banged up through spring. I think he's probably going to be ready for the start of the season here. He's pretty, he's got nice size. He's fairly athletic. Obviously, you know, a red zone threat, as those touchdown numbers would indicate. I, uh, he's being really, really slept on this year. And there, if you had to ask me, you know, who is a tight end that like nobody's talking about as like a top five or 10 tight end that can break into that group this year? I think Isaac Rex would be my answer to that. That's interesting.
2: Um, uh, I I, I do think he is a post-hype sleeper. Um, Last year, very disappointing. And, you know, there was a lot of expectations going into last year. I do think he is primed for a bounce back year this year. You know, like you said, they lost two options in the receiving game. While they do have Nasua and uh, Romney, you know, he's going to be a red zone guy again. So I think he's going to be a TD dependent option at your tight end at tight end but you know he has 3 years of eligibility left if he wants it um so you could get some nice weeks out of him there um and i don't know if i see top 5 type top top 10 but you know it, i i could see like you know 15 to 20 range maybe that wouldn't shock me cuz i know cuz i have i have him lower than that so that's not a bold take to say 15 to 20 but it would be a
0: jump and i um the heck i just had it up here so i wrote his profile for the debbie guide um and i came away like i had to go back and re-watch him again it'd been a little bit uh time uh and i came away moderately impressed i think he'll test fairly decently he is more of a straight line guy you know at 260 pounds like most of these guys are like i don't expect them to be breaking ankles super shifty in the open field he has very good ball skills i just i i like him i think and he is a little older again, but I don't think the NFL cares about that at tight end at all. Actually. I mean, we saw Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst yeah, go in the first round. So I, I think he can be an early day three guy. Uh, he's not going to get day two. I'm not calling here. I'm not projecting that, but um, I, I do think he's an interesting guy and just a, to, a guy to pay attention to. If, if Rex goes back down with injury or you're looking to kind of stash the next tight end there, Dallin Holker is a guy that got a lot of buzz during spring uh, Matt Bruning highlighted him during his spring camp reports a couple of times as a guy that that got a lot of buzz, um, and and he's next up on the depth chart there. So, uh, Dallin Holker, just another name to probably watch list unless you're in a, a league that that is running short on tight ends. I'm not sure I would uh, roster him at this point, but uh, yeah, just a name to know there. Um, let's turn over to UConn, Colin. UConn is actually building something, in my opinion. Not like. It's great roster, and John Lobb's gonna be very happy. The only UConn football fan that I know. But they've done a really good job. They they got rid of Randy soul. they brought in Jim Mora. They've got an interesting staff that actually sounds like they're interested in recruiting. They brought over a ton of guys in the transfer portal. They they're recruiting like just freshmen better than you would expect them to, at least based on their recent years recent results taquan robertson is going to be their starter this year uh coming over from penn state yeah he, penn state's not his level but uconn i think he's a, he's a pretty athletic guy i think you could be his can level. he get can a, he snap can off, a, a snap off though that's the big question well as the starter i'm sure he'll get a lot more reps in practice than uh than he did at penn state i mean yeah you're the penn state fan call i want to just talk about him a little bit Uh, I don't like Roberson at all. And maybe it's a little bit
2: jaded from the way that that Iowa game ended up because he could not even get a snap off at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, UConn, I guess is his level. Sure. Um, you know, they have, they still have, um, the other Fomachon there. They do. Yes. Tyler, Tyler. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, don't think the other Fomachon is better. I think Tyson Fomachon is is a good bit better than the other Fomachon. So I don't think he's going to really push Roberson. So he should have that starting job locked up. And he does have a competent wide receiver, which we can talk about in a minute. I just, I don't know if I see it, him even worth rostering or watch listing.
0: And today I learned when I was looking at stuff for this show that Clay Millen's brother, who was at Oregon, transferred to uh, Kate Cade kale kale yes leafy greens that family loves them. um <laughs> not spelled exactly the same way so roberson interesting um I, I i wouldn't roster him but i think you know just eyeballs to kind of pay attention to him um because uconn has some easy games on the schedule they play utah state central connecticut state syracuse michigan nc state fresno state fiu ball state I have one more here where to go I know they have a couple more, uh, Boston college, UMass army Liberty. There's some winnable games in there. So I think that there'll be a competitive team this year relative to their schedule. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see exactly what they build there this year, uh, running back, Nathan Carter, going to be the starter. And again, not a guy that I'm rostering, but I do have him, um, uh, watch listed in a couple of really, really deep leagues that I'm in. It's an interesting guy. I think if, um, if this offense picks up a little bit, I think he'll be one of the main beneficiaries, him and, and Cameron Ross, who we're going to talk about in a second.
2: Yeah, I mean, I so I wrote up the article on the independence. Um I considered writing him up, but I didn't, I don't think he'll be fantasy relevant. He's, or like a stash at all, like maybe just a, a watch list kind of guy and hope that the team gets better. But I'm not, all that interested in him.
0: Fair enough. I didn't realize you had done the uh, the independence article for them. I did. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Nice. I, I thought that's why you're saying I was excited to do them because this was like yeah. the one article or a year that I write. <laughs> Not that I, I didn't write the independence last year, but this was like the one article this year that I wrote.
0: <laughs> Colin puts his soul into this independence article this year. Everybody, I did. So everybody go read that um, and then Cameron Ross is probably gonna be their leading receiver. But again. It, can Roberson produce a, a fantasy-relevant wide receiver? We shall see. Let's turn over to Liberty. This would have been a f- more interesting team to talk about last offseason. I still think they're you know, intriguing, um, but certainly less so with the, the departure of Malik Willis off to the NFL. His replacement, Drumroll Prillies, is about the least sexy name that you can possibly come up with. Charlie Brewer, who has been around the world, pretty much and now has settled in here at Liberty after losing the Utah job last year um, or started his career at Baylor. Uh, he's in his sixth or seventh year in college. This guy has been around for forever. I, he ha- he's not as mobile as Malik Willis. So it's going to be a little bit of a departure from that offense, but he still can run a little bit. And it sounds like he's probably the best passer of the group there. So I, between, I think people were, were a little hyped for Kate on Salter, former four-star Uh, Went to Tennessee initially, got kicked out of Tennessee, came over to Liberty. Are you bummed that Salter didn't get this job, or do you think Brewer can do a few things for fantasy purposes this year, Colin?
2: No, I'm pretty bummed that that Salter didn't get this job. I think he would raise the ceiling for this offense. Brewer, I mean, he flamed out last year
0: at Utah. Um, In, In fairness, there's no shame in losing a job to Cameron Rising, who's a pretty good player in his own right, in fairness. Yes, but he flamed out. Also,
2: he okay, did fine. He did play pretty poorly, um, but I do think the one thing with Brewer is, and I'll just jump right into the wide receivers here. Um, I, I think he will help Demario Douglas stay fantasy relevant. Um, you know, because he is a better passer um, than Salter. And I think he'll be able to sustain a wide receiver there. Um, Douglas last year, 52 catches, 701 yards, six touchdowns, pretty solid. I think that's about what you can look forward to for him. Again, he'll have a couple matchup weeks where you can start him. Um, So I think that's a good Brewer starting is at least good news for Douglas because Brewer can support a fantasy relevant receiver.
0: Well, let's move over to the wide receivers there, Colin. Um, I mean, you just talked about Douglas a little bit, probably the most uh, interesting names on the list. Um, the other two starters there, probably Caleb Sneed and CJ Yar- Yarborough. Um, um, st- I, this is actually not a bad wide receiver group. I think they definitely were hurt a little bit at times by Malik Willis, uh, and obviously at times helped a little bit as well um none of them are great but i think if brewers there and he plays the whole season i think we could get one and maybe a second guy that is worth a roster spot at some point although i think it's probably a little early during spring like they were all injured so it's really difficult to tell exactly like does somebody have a favorite here um but i think i'm i'm keeping an eye on all three of those guys and kind of seeing if any of them strike it big uh does any douglas is your guy and that's it or or what are you thinking yeah, pretty much Douglas is is my guy and, and that's
2: it. I don't know if I see this offense and, and Charlie Brewer supporting more than one fantasy relevant receiver. And Douglas was it last year. I think he'll he'll be it again this year.
0: Running back, let's talk day day hunter. Um it's interesting that I think, you know, I looked through some um, and you know, as much like Liberty, you know, websites as I could to kind of figure out. What they were thinking about the running backs? A couple of them actually had TJ Green lifts listed as the starter, which I thought was intriguing. Yeah, Colin just made a face at me. That's really interesting. <laughs> but we've been operating under the assumption it's going to be Day Hunter, who came over from Hawaii this offseason. Really dynamic um, a- as a pass catcher, as a rusher. We thought he would be the perfect Calvin Turner replacement there at Hawaii. Um, he's probably the best like football player on this offense. So I have a hard time believing that they won't try to use him a lot, but I, I just thought it was interesting that a bunch of these Liberty type, you know, people that are at least, you know, moderately c- covering them seem to to lean toward green with, with uh, Hunter as the backup.
2: Yeah. I think that is pretty interesting, but I do also think the cream is going to rise to the top there. I think, ju- I think day, day Hunter is just a better player overall than, T.J. Green, Um, you know, he said he was behind Calvin Turner last year. uh, Diedrich Parson was working in there too, Uh, but he had over 800 all-purpose yards on 120 total touches last year. Um, Malik Willis led this team in rushing last year, 878 yards and 13 touchdowns. You know, that's not going to happen again with with Charlie Brewer. So they're going to run the ball more traditionally this year. I also think that this offense is going to be looking for an identity, after losing uh, Willis from the last two years. And I think day Hunter is the type of player that they can lean on. I mean, I would have a hard time seeing him not beat out TJ greens. It's something to at least monitor that apparently some of the beat writers and some of the people around sort of around the program tangentially are mentioning TJ green over Hunter. But I just, like I, said, I think he's just way more talented. He's going to, he should get on the field. Um or you know, who knows what? Um why am I blanking on their coach's name? You Freeze? From Freeze, yes, from the from the hospital bed. Um Freeze. I don't know what Freeze is doing if he doesn't put Hunter out there.
0: Yeah. Um not that Hugh Freeze is known for questionable decision making. All right. Over to Massachusetts, UMass. <sighs> I think the only player that I even think we should talk about here is Ellis Merriweather. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Do you want to talk Ellis Merriweather? Well, sure. Um, so he last
2: year, huge year, uh, hundred and uh, 1138 yards, five touchdowns on 218 carries, 22 catches, 165 yards and a touchdown there to close out the season, 600 yard games in his last seven. So he finished the year on fire. I think he's going to pick up pretty much where he left off. Um, He's going to be the focal point of this offense. So he'll get the touches. I mean, last year he had 240 touches. I think 250 touches this year, definitely within his range of outcomes. Um, Very conservatively, I think. You know, in terms of Debbie potential, he was in the class of 2017. So this is his fifth year. Um, probably not much there,
0: but another year of CFF production. Sign me up. I think that uh, that did him justice. I'm not even going to add anything in there. Um, New Mexico State, perhaps the worst team in all of college football this year. They stink. I know some folks have been interested in a Monty Watkins who transferred over from TCU. He's a former uh four-star running back um i don't think i care enough about him to like they had to just pass the ball like crazy last year because they're down all the time like i don't i don't think any of the running backs are are worth looking at here um well do you have any strong thoughts? And by the way, on their roster, he's listed as a, a cornerback and a running back. So, like, there's oh. not even a guarantee that he plays running back. Yeah, I thought i heard that. I just went on to double check real quick as, uh, as we were talking because, yeah, it's not great.
2: Interesting. Um, yeah, no, New Mexico State, bad team. Um, like I said, I wrote up the independents for the site, um, and I wrote two sentences for them. Uh, I will read them. Can you read? Yes, please read. Yes. Uh, Despite attempting the seventh most passes and having the fourth highest neutral game script pass rate last year, New Mexico State is not a team to target in 2022. This team is devoid of any real fantasy talent, and there isn't
0: a player to watch on this roster or on the roster to watch. Boom. And I think that's all the time we'll give them here. All right. The real creme de la creme here of the independents is Notre Dame. Mm and They're the final school here. So let's talk. Some fighting Irish, obviously a lot of turmoil with the coaching staff, uh, losing Brian Kelly down to LSU, but the, the the coordinators stayed the same, or you know Marcus Freeman was the defense coordinator. Now he's the head coach. Whatever the coordinators from last year are both there. We'll phrase it that way. It seems like this team th- they're trying to kind of bring Notre Dame more into the 21st century. They're they're doing more modern recruiting. They're probably going to be a little more aggressive offensively, at least from a passing perspective, which I think is interesting. So the Notre Dame, I think has some, there's some value to be had, which isn't always necessarily true for a Notre Dame team. Tyler Buckner tabbed as the starting quarterback missed the spring game. I believe he said that he twisted his, his ankle going down a flight of steps.
1: If, yeah, you believe, if you believe if you believe
0: that I have a bridge to sell you, he was definitely doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. Not that's a bad thing. We've all, most of us, you know, have been in college. We uh, we understand that uh, sometimes the night gets away from you. Really highly recruited kid last year, sat and probably should have played a little more. But they had some some packages for him where he really got to show off his rushing ability there is legit like 750 yard plus rush upside here for this kid. And if he can be even average as a passer, I think this can be a really, really good offense. And I think in turn, he can be a great at minimum CFF option over the next two years.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much what I was looking at with him too. Um, Bare minimum, I think for, he will be a, a, solid fantasy quarter cff fantasy quarterback for two years mostly behind his legs alone um you know last year 336 yards three touchdowns um i think he's a candidate to go for 800 yards rushing um you know he's just that dynamic with his legs big question is what does his passing output look like um And I don't know the answer to that question. He has steps he needs to take as a passer. Um, You know, and if he can take those steps, he has the tools. He can be a legitimate Debbie asset coming from Notre Dame. uh, I think he is the type of player as well, that if things break the right way for him, he has a legitimate path to first round draft capital. It's not something you can say about every quarterback out there. So I think that's why he's so high in my rankings. Uh, But he is one of the riskiest prospects, uh, quarterbacks out there right now.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of variance there. You have to, if you're drafting him wherever he's going now, you kind of have to accept the fact that you might be left holding the bag on that one. Um, Running back, this room looked like it was pretty darn stocked up. And then Jadarian Price tore his Achilles this uh, offseason. He's out for the year. They were saying that Logan Diggs was going to be out for a significant portion of the year, but now it sounds like news coming out of practice saying, you know, maybe he doesn't play week one, but he should be ready pretty early in the season. What we do know is that week one, Chris Tyree is going to be there really dynamic, uh, a little bit of an undersized guy, but was like one of the fastest kids in his class coming out. And then Audric Estime as well. Who's the like just the complete opposite. He would probably eat Chris Tyree. Um, and I think it's going to be those two for at least the first couple of weeks. Um, how in order like of priority, well, like if you're trying to draft one of these running backs, Colin, wh- what kind of order are you going in here? Man, um, I read pretty comfortably
2: at the top there. Uh, I, I think I feel pretty solidified in his role. I think he is going to be a heavy influence in this passing attack. I think he's going to scoop up a lot of the, um, passing game work that, uh, Kyron Williams had last year. Uh, Kyron Williams last year had, um, some really nice passing game production. Um, but even on top of that, Chris Tyree still had 24 receptions on his own. So pretty dynamic as a receiver. That's solid. Rushing last year, 46 carries, that's going to go up just because of the injuries in the room. How high it goes, I don't know. He's kind of small, not a guy you want to give a lot of the carries to. But he's going to do enough work that I think he will be CFF fantasy relevant. His size may limit his future role in the NFL. um, So that's why I'm not overly high on him there. And then the rest of the guys in the room, I don't see anything special. Jadarian Price is interesting. Uh, There were some things about his game that I liked. I was a little concerned about how small he was. Sounded like he started to bulk up in the spring before he got hurt. We'll see how he bounces back. Not a really big fan of Estime. Not really anybody special. Kind of the same thing with Diggs. I liked Diggs because I thought he could hold off Estime and handle the rushing work in that offense. With him missing so much time, I think he's going to have a hard time jumping back over Estime. I think those two guys are just... Mostly the same guy. Diggs probably slightly better, but I, c- I can't even really say that that confidently.
0: Yeah, you want to talk about two guys that injury really kind of crushed them this offseason in terms of stock on their own team and then stock overall. I think you just pointed out Price and Diggs to um, two two prime candidates to go on that list. Um, it was in, before Diggs was slated to come back. I said that I thought Tyree could be a RB one this year for fantasy because like you mentioned, he has a lot of pass catching upside. He's incredibly dynamic. And quite frankly, as we're going to talk about here in a second, this team does not have a lot of uh, proven pass catchers. Really the only proven pass catchers on this team are Michael Merritt tight end and Chris Tyree at running back. We think Lorenzo styles is going to break out this year based on that bowl game, but we don't, I would not call him experienced or like a guy that we just know is going to, to be a factor. So I thought that Tyree could could be that guy, but now it sounds like if Diggs is going to be back, that I think they will rotate those three backs enough for them to, to for that to probably not be the case this year. Uh, you know, speaking of Styles, the obvious wide receiver one on this roster. It sounds like he's been getting some really nice positive buzz there at Notre Dame's camp. I like. Do we even need to talk? Like, how how? Where do you have him ranked right now? Do you have that up in front of you? um
2: i give me one moment i can pull sure. that up here i have him ranked fairly highly um i am very intrigued by styles you know you were the one who kind of started that hype train and at least for cff purposes i think he can have a really nice year because like you said he's really the only fantasy relevant option in that room or rather, the only proven option in that room i have him at uh, 15 for c2c uh, and then for Debbie, I have him at 16.
0: So like one spot okay. lower. Okay. Interesting. I have him at 12 for C2C and 15 for Debbie. So, so pretty yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Pretty, pretty similar range there. I, I really like him. I mean, I think he has, you know, basically the kind of size and skills that the NFL is looking for nowadays. And again, you know, they, Michael Mayer and Tyree are the only two guys in this roster. You're telling me that a tight end or a running back are going to lead a college you know, room and receptions or, or yardage that doesn't happen super often. It pretty much has to be a terrible, terrible offense for that to be the case. Um, shout out, what's his name? Colorado State last year, um, McBride. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't. I, 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 I think Styles will be the leading receiver there.
2: Yeah, the leading receiver last year for Notre Dame, um, forty-eight catches, eight hundred eighty-eight yards, seven touchdowns. I think that's very, very easily in Styles's, uh range of outcomes there um, more receptions
0: as well too. Yeah. I think he's like a 69, 50 and eight kind of guy or some, something along those lines this season. I don't want to yeah. get, you know, 85, 1300 and 12, but I, I, I definitely think, you know, a 60 catch plus season is about what I expect. Um, and certainly kind of 900 plus yards is kind of the range mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm figuring there. Your mayor is going to score quite a few, uh, you know, red zone looks or get, get most of the red zone looks The the other guys behind him. I feel like it's just a yearly thing there at Notre Dame where they're kind of, oh, this is the year that, you know, so-and-so that's been on the roster for, for forever kind of breaks out. Brayden Lindsey and Avery Davis are the kind of those two guys this year. I don't want to completely write them off, especially this offense is going to be a much heavier passing offense. But again, with Mare there, with Tyree there, and with Styles there, I don't think you have to assume that because this offense might pass a little bit more that, Davis or Lindsay are the beneficiaries. Like they might get a, see a slight uptick, but I don't see either of these guys as somebody that I'm I, I is a legitimate college fantasy guy, and I don't know that they're NFL guys either. I think Davis might get drafted late. Yeah, but that's it.
2: Yeah, that's about it. I mean, they're both grad students um, at this point. They're you know they're out of eligibility after this year. They haven't done anything up to this point. There's not a lot to of buzz around them to suggest that they're going to have a breakout year this year. So maybe Davis gets drafted late just because he's from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I don't know who's to say, but I'm not particularly interested in either of those two guys. Um, 2021 four-star wide receiver, Deion Colsey's there. And then this year, four-star prospect, uh, number 18 wide receiver in the class, Tobias Merriweather is there too. Um, those are guys that I'm a little bit more interested in. I'm a little more willing to stash them um, because I think those are guys that could carve out a role, but styles has like what, two years of eligibility left. I think at least maybe even at a least
0: the freshman last year. Yeah. Yeah. So. so
2: two years of eligibility, at least maybe even a third um, depending on how it shakes out. So, you know, when are those guys going to establish themselves as the number one in this room? I don't know if it's going to happen. And I don't know if Notre Dame is going to support more than one fantasy relevant wide receiver because they do use the tight end of the running back in the
0: passing game fairly heavily. Yeah. And um, so Colsey is a year one zero should be mentioned last year as a true freshman, four catches, 67 yards, no rushing, no kick returning, um, no nothing. So um, he, he unfortunately is a guy that, you probably it should be he should be the odds of him ever doing anything are incredibly low uh and then Tobias Merriweather is the other name so um it's about it i in terms of talent like this this, this room does not have talent at all. it's pretty yeah sad but for they for are like Notre Dame. They fired the wide receiver coach. New wide receiver coach in there, I think, is going to try to breathe some light. They've got some guys coming in next year.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They have potentially three, four-star wide receivers coming in next year. Um, Great House did he commit there for sure? He, he did
0: commit. Yeah, okay. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Plus so Great and I forget who the other guy is, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Great House is the only one who's solidly committed, though, is he? Or did the other two? I'm pretty sure all of them are. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, they. I mean, Notre Dame has a pretty good recruiting class right now for next year.
2: Okay, so yeah, then you know if Merriweather doesn't do anything, can't do anything to establish himself this year, if he's a year one zero, I think you can write him off.
0: And then Mayer, I mean, do we have to say anything about him? He's going to be a first round NFL draft pick. He's going to have a good year this year. I do think the upside's slightly limited because he's just such a well rounded guy. He's he's a good blocker. Like I, th- that's a great, that's great for the NFL. Like an NFL team's going to love him, but um, because how good he is as a blocker, is he ever going to be a guy like that, Travis Kelsey? You just you know. He runs a route like almost every time it's on the field. Like I, I, I think that limits his upside a little bit, but he's definitely a good player and he will be a, a NFL guy for a long, long time.
2: Yeah, I think he will too. I mean, will he ever be a top five tight end in the, in the NFL? I think he'll need the right system, but he'll be in the NFL for a long time. He'll have some opportunities. He'll have fantasy relevancy. And that's about all you can ask at the tight end position. Um, I did want to mention Eli Rardin though, uh, four-star prospect, number five tight end in this year's class. Um, Torres ACL in December. Reports are that he will quote be there physically this season. Don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like he'll work his way back onto the. Er, he'll work his way back into being able to play. Will he see the field? Probably not. With Mayer soaking up all of the reps, and then they have um, Bow. Bausman, Bauman, um, something like that there too. But Raritan is athletic. Uh, He's basketball background. He plays above the rim. He's 6'6", 228 pounds. Uh, So he needs to put on a little bit of weight, but he's already got the size there too. And Notre Dame's a tight end factory. So Raritan is a guy that I am stashing.
0: It is Bauman. No S. Bauman. And um, they do lose tactics this offseason as well, who we already talked about at Boston College. So um that's gonna do it for the independence guys uh probably spent more time talking on some of them than we should have but uh you know we're, we're, we're here to give you guys as much information as we possibly can go over and check out campuscanton.com guys if you guys have not checked it out yet get ready for this year if you're playing Devi, if you're playing cff if you're playing c2c and even we have Dy- dynasty content as well if you haven't quite dipped your toes into the good stuff yet go ahead and check everything out over there including uh, our three guides that we have available we are going to be doing um some heavier um betting dfs player props type content this year that you'll want to get in on uh as well um and then guys just one last uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna plead here a little bit. i'm gonna beg please 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 rate and review the show if you can on whatever platform you listen to i know based on the statistics that are are uh where we upload our podcast comes from a lot of you guys listen on apple podcasts literally a third, take 30 seconds out of your day, go on there and just give us five stars. Say that, you know, we're great, say that we suck, whatever. The five stars is really all we care about. Um, and it does help us just kind of, you know, move up those charts, get noticed a little bit so we can continue to grow all of these formats that we love. And that presumably, if you're listening to this podcast, you love so much too. That's going to do it for this week, guys. Colin's going to be gone again in Vegas Hello. later this week. So I'm going to have a special guest with me, but I'm not going to say who it is right now. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.